Hey, you have a, a real treat today. Um, we have a guest speaker, Randy Jackson, excuse me, Randy Carter. He's like one of my really close friends that I said his name wrong. He was a pastor in Jackson for many, many years. He's pastored in Ohio, Kentucky, and most recently, 26 years in Jackson, Tennessee at Northside Assembly of God. When I did some of my education in the teens, um, 2013 through 2017, Randy and Nancy let me stay at their house, and they pastored me. We would talk about the Lord late into the night. They've taken good care of me, and, and they get to speak all over the state, the country. They'll tell you more about that. Guys, would you please give a great welcome to my friend Randy Carter. I'm Michael's older brother, Randy Jackson. It's good to be here today. So, <laughs> hey, go Vols. All right, well, this crowd is not as spiritual as the first one. They got excited when I talked about the Vols. So we had a great time watching the game at the pastor's house yesterday. Such wonderful hospitality. I never wavered. I knew they were going to win when that ball dropped to the ground on the last play. That's when I knew they were going to win. But Pastor, uh, he's a Texas fan. Let's, let's pray for him this morning. So, so I want to share with you today about dreaming. What are you dreaming about in 2022? What consumes your thoughts during the day and keeps you awake at night? In Acts chapter 2, it said that old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. Well, I'm an old man, and I'm dreaming dreams. I think my dreams are bigger than they've ever been before. I'll leave the vision to young people like your pastor. I thought that was funny myself, but <laughs> guess not. Mark Batterson says, God honors big dreams because big dreams honor God. Some of you may be thinking, you know, I'm tired of dream talk. Don't you realize this is post-COVID and COVID changed the world. COVID didn't change anything unless we allow it to change things. And personally, I'm tired of COVID. How many of you are tired of hearing about COVID? And it's time to get back to dreaming once again. If your dreams died during COVID, I've got good news. Only when your dream is dead can it be resurrected. And God wants to resurrect some dreams this morning. God-sized dreams are never about you. They're about bringing glory and honor to the one that gave us the dream. At the end of our lives, our greatest regrets uh, will be the, the God-ordained opportunities that we left on the table, the dreams that we didn't follow, the God-given passions that we didn't pursue. I want to follow God's dreams. When you talk about dreams and you mention Joseph, most people immediately think of Joseph of the Old Testament. But did you realize Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, was a dreamer as well? In Matthew chapter 1 and 2, if you open your Bibles or phones or whatever you open, if you do that now, in chapters 1 and 2, Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, has four different dreams. And in each of those dreams, we learn something about pursuing dreams, some lesson about dreamers that see their dreams become reality. And the first thing we learn is this. Dreamers are willing to be interrupted. Dreamers are willing to be interrupted. How many of us love to be interrupted? None of us, right? I mean, I hate to be, especially when I'm on a roll. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. 
His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind, it means he had a plan, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You know this story well if you've been in church very long. Mary and Joseph are two kids that have fallen in love, and they're making plans to get married. They're engaged. That was much more serious commitment then than, than it is now. And uh, so, I don't know, I just think Joseph probably has already secured a home. He's trying to shore up his business as a carpenter a little bit more so they'll have some income to take care of the kids that will inevitably come along. And, and he's, just, he's just dreaming the Jewish dream, being a dad that loves his kids and serves God. And then all of a sudden, his dream gets interrupted. And it's interrupted by one that he loves. You ever notice that some of the greatest dream thieves we have to overcome are people that we're closest to? And Mary comes to him and says, um, uh, uh, I mean, how do you say it? How do you bring out the news that she has to bring to him? She says, Joseph, you better sit down for this. And he sits down and she says, uh, you know that I love you and you know that you're the one I want to spend my life with. But I got to tell you, I'm pregnant. And I, I don't know, but I, just being a man, I can't help but imagine that Joseph immediately drew all these conclusions. You're pregnant. Well, it's not mine. Whose is it? And probably maybe ran through a list of possible candidates. And then she has the nerve to say, no, no, you don't understand. I haven't been unfaithful. This baby is the Lord's. How many of you have ever done something crazy and then blamed it on the Lord? But this time it really was the Lord. But his plans are interrupted. He had planned to get married, and now he plans quietly, the scripture says, to divorce her. Because interruptions reveal two things about, about you. They reveal your character, and they reveal what you believe about God. And it shows his character because even though he's been devastated, even though his plans that he had you know, dreamed his whole life have now been thrown on the trash heap, he doesn't want to hurt the one that he has loved. And so he quietly plans to divorce her. And then secondly, they reveal what he believes about God. Because the Lord says to him in, the, in, these, in these verses that I just read to you, that the Lord says, look, this is from me. It's, it's not going to look like that. You're not going to understand it at the beginning. It's going to confuse you. It's going to upset you. Everybody around you are going to call you crazy if you try to explain it. But this is from me. And Joseph's response to that shows that he believes, just like Joseph of the Old Testament, that God is the only one that can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good. He believes that in his heart. And if you're a dreamer, you're going you're gonna to believe that. You're going to believe that God can turn the interruptions into something positive and something as powerful. Life is filled with interruptions, both in the natural and in the spiritual. We can fight them, or we can flow with them, but we can't avoid them. I want to say that again because it's so essential that we hear that this morning. Life's interruptions are both in the natural and in the spiritual are going to happen. We can fight them or we can flow with them, but we can't avoid them. 
Joseph of the Old Testament was interrupted on his way to his dream. He had to experience the pit and prison before he ever got to serve in the palace. Moses was interrupted on the way to his dream of becoming the deliverer of his people. And he spent 40 years in the wilderness looking at the south end of sheep headed north. Y'all are a little slow, but you'll get that a little bit later. David was interrupted on the way to his dream of being king. He fled from the wrath of an angry king Saul and, and had to flee to the camp of the hated Philistines on his journey. How you handle interruptions with your, in, with your dream will determine if you ever see God's dream fulfilled in your life or not. Let me get, can I give you a personal illustration? In December 12th, 2019, we retired as pastors of Northside Assembly after serving there 26 and a half years. And we had our future mapped out. We were going to move from Jackson all the way, 300 miles across I-40, all the way to the, the promised land of Knoxville, Tennessee. And it's not the promised land because of the Vols, although we, we are rising again. I just want you to know that. But it's the promised land because that's where our grandbabies are. And so we were going to move there. And for ministry, we were going to spend about half the year in Europe each year. We had already lined up. We'd spent several years lining up opportunities to fill in in international churches. International churches in Europe uh, minister primarily to English-speaking people that have come to Europe, expats from this country or, or people from all over the world that come for study. And we'd built relationships. We'd preached at several of the churches. We'd taught at some seminars that they had had. And, and we had three things lined up. Number one, we were going to spend two months in the Canary Islands. I mean, it's a tough gig, but we were willing. I mean, we were, said, Lord, here am I, send me, you know, send us, we'll go. And we had two months lined up in Brussels, and the church was like a block from a candy chocolate factory. Again, here am I, Lord, send me. And then we had a trip to Uruguay. I've been to Uruguay 25 times now. It's my home away from home. God, God you know, that just has a, a place in my heart. And we were going to go and speak to all the pastors in Uruguay on a little tour. And then the divine interruption called COVID. The divine interruption called COVID. See, a lot of people don't believe COVID was the divine interruption. We blame it on the devil or we blame it on China or we blame it on, they're the same in a lot of people's minds. You know, and we, and we blame it. But I believe COVID was an interruption that God allowed to come into our lives to refocus our attention on him. To refocus our attention. How you handle interruptions de depends, it will determine whether you ever see the fulfillment of your dream or not. Paul was interrupted on the way to his dream. Look at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching. In other words, having been interrupted. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Another interruption. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, and begging him, uh, uh, Troas, <coughs> during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul's first plan, go preach the gospel in Asia. 
Paul's second choice, preach in Bithynia. But God interrupted his plans. And then he went to Messiah and Troas. And then God gave him a vision of a man from Macedonia. <coughs> God completely interrupted his plans so that the gospel would go to where the gospel had never been preached before. And it's because Paul was willing to flow with the plan of God instead of resisting. See, sometimes we resist. <coughs> Excuse me. How many of you have ever resisted something, maybe even rebuked it in the name of Jesus, and all of a sudden you realize it was Jesus? Does that make sense to anybody? You know, we're going, man, this is the devil. Get behind me. And the Lord goes, no, I'm, in, I'm Jesus. I want to be in front of you. I want to lead you. Now, now think about it. It didn't make preach in Asia. Nope. Second choice, Bithynia. Nope. Mysia, Troas. Nope. Macedonia is where you need to be. Notice how Paul responds. First of all, notice what he didn't do. He didn't allow bitterness to set in his heart when he didn't get his way. He didn't, when his plans were interrupted, when COVID hit, a lot of people got bitter. I'll be honest, it was hard for us. We had moved from Jackson it, Jackson's, you know, a small town, less than 70,000 people. And, and, um, and after being there that long, we knew everybody in the community just about and were very established and we were happy and we loved what we were doing. But God called us out of that, called us into the next phase. And so we're, we're all ready to go to Europe. We're ready to serve the Lord on the mission field. And then boom, COVID shuts everything down. And we find ourselves in a city where we only know basically four people, our son-in-law, our daughter, and our two granddaughters, and we're, we're stuck. And it would have been so easy to get bitter. And I'll be honest, it was a struggle at time. And Lord, why did you bring me to this place? But it's because he had a different plan. He had a different plan. Secondly, he didn't enter into the if-onlys. How many of you have ever if-only the decisions of the Lord in your life? You look back at the regrets. See, one of the greatest dream thieves you'll ever have is regret. Looking back and saying, if only I'd married Beulah instead of Bodine or whatever. If only I'd married this person or if only I'd gone this way instead of that way. What Paul did do is he kept moving. He kept moving. He didn't stop. When the doors closed to Asia, he went on. When they closed in Bithynia and Mysia, he went on. When they closed in Troas, he moved forward. See, some people stop. And God says, no, the call is to go. The anointing's in the go, not in the stay. You've got you to go with the flow that God has in your life. Secondly, he remained flexible. And thirdly, he remained committed to obedience. Here's what I've learned. Man's disappointments are often God's appointments. Man's disappointments often lead to God's appointments. Example, like I said, I started earlier telling you about our plans to go to Europe, and then all of a sudden those plans were closed, and we could have got bitter, and it was a struggle. It took a while to really pray through that time. I, I missed my church. I felt guilty for having retired because my church was now going through COVID, and, and it was just a tough time. But what happened when most churches across Tennessee or many of the churches across Tennessee reopened on Mother's Day? I don't know if you all reopened then, but on Mother's Day of 2020, and the Tuesday before Mother's Day, we got a call from a church in All Good, Tennessee. Anybody know where All Good is? You know where All Good is? You're from there. All's good and all good. Yeah, where the biggest industry was a 300-pound Avon lady. Yeah, that was, that's what Eddie Turner used to say. That was a terrible joke. Why did I say that? I'm sorry. 
was a 300-pound man. That's what I should have said because I fit that. But, but anyhow, they called me, and, and Trinity Assembly at one point had been a mega church, and they'd gone through some difficulties and some they, they, they just before COVID, they'd gone into pastoral transition. They had split twice, and they said, come and help us. And we got to go, and I'll tell you, the next four months of our life were four of the greatest months of ministry that we've ever heard, ever seen. As God, we, God allowed us to be used to bring healing into hope. And today they've changed the name of the church to Hope Church, and they're doing well, and they're moving forward. But it wasn't what we had thought. It wasn't, it was what God, God said, you don't need to be in Europe, you need to be in all good. Chocolate factory or all good? Which do you want? Get some few moon signers around all good, but no chocolate factories around there. So, so, and then when that was done, we, um, I was having lunch with a pastor from Sweetwater, Tennessee, and he just happened to mention that the next week he was having breakfast with Sam Johnson. Anybody ever hear of Sam Johnson? He's a missionary with the Assemblies of God, and, and he was a personal hero of mine. I heard him speak when I was a freshman at Bible college over 50 years ago, and I still remember his message. He preached from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is. Now faith is. And he stopped right there, and he said, faith is now. And he talked about how that we have to believe God, not for the future alone, but for now. And, and it just radically touched my life. And I, never for, and I followed his ministry from afar for, over, for 50 years. Little did I know that, that he had moved from Minnesota, where his ministry was based out of, to all good, not to all good, to Alcoa, Tennessee, to Alcoa, 20 minutes from our house. And so when my friend said he was having lunch, I waited for him. I said, I waited for him. You know, I dropped all the hints I could. Invite me, too. He didn't invite me. So I just said, you mind if I come? And so I, I had lunch with him and Sam the next week. And then we, 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 out of that, we built a relationship. And now Sam, who it's 21 years earlier, had retired from the Assemblies of God missions assignment and had gone and built his own ministry called Priority One, which builds Bible schools around the world. In the last 21 years, we built in over 55 nations, five different continents, and Sam asked me to come alongside of him. And so almost every Sunday, I'm preaching somewhere, doing two things that I love more than anything else, preaching and raising funds for missions. I never would have thought, I never would have thought that that was in my future. I thought, we're going to go, we'll do what we've always done. We'll be a pastor. We'll go in, we'll love people a couple of months at a time. We'll hold the church together while their pastor gets some rest. But God says, that's what you think, but here's what I think. God will occasionally interrupt your plans. Anybody ever had any plans interrupted? Anybody in the midst of some interrupted plans right now? People who are dreamers are willing to be interrupted. Secondly, dreamers are willing to be misunderstood. <clears throat> dreamers are willing to be misunderstood. Joseph was willing to pay the price of being misunderstood. Jesus knew that no one would believe him when he tried to tell the stories that, no, this is not my child. No, it's not what you think. This is the, the Holy Spirit is the father of this baby. Can you imagine trying to sell that dream? Can you imagine trying to get people to believe that? And sometimes God will call you to a dream that is so far beyond what anybody in the natural can ever believe that you're wasting your breath trying to explain it. And so Joseph was willing to be misunderstood. He knew that people would talk, that rumors would fly, that people would say unkind, hurtful things. He knew that, 
not only would his character be called into question, so would the character of Mary, the one that he loved. She would be mocked and ridiculed. And Joseph was willing to pay the cost of being misunderstood. He was willing to pay the cost of losing his comfort, of letting go of his plans, and of letting go of the secure future that he thought he had. The question this morning, what price are you willing to pay to see your dream become reality? What are you willing to do in order to see what God has spoken to you and wants to accomplish through you fulfilled? How much is your dream worth? How much is your dream worth? For Jesus, his dream of seeing mankind restored to a relationship with the Heavenly Father cost him his life. Martin Luther King's dream of one day seeing people being judged by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin cost him his life as well. Thomas Edison faced the humiliation of hundreds of failed experiments and the ridicule of mockers and naysayers saying that he would never discover the the key to a light bulb. Nelson Mandela spent year after year in prison and then had to forgive the ones that imprisoned him for to see his dream of the end of apartheid. Every dream has a price tag. It doesn't, didn't matter what others thought of him. Joseph knew that he had heard from the Lord. He knew that he had had an encounter, and he knew and he remembered what God said to him when he gave him the dream. Last night, I'll just be honest, last night was, I just had a terrible night of sleep. I guess I was so surprised that the balls won, I, just being honest. You know, I just knew they'd, but anyhow, I just had a hard time. And so I got up twice during the night, and, uh, and once I just read a lot of scripture in Isaiah. You got to be desperate to read Isaiah in the middle of the night. You know what I'm saying? You go to the Psalms or Proverbs, you expect something. But Isaiah, it's like, he's going to kill this one. He, I mean, you know what I'm saying, or whatever. But uh, the Lord spoke to me. And this thought, so this thought is fresh. It hasn't been developed. But here's what the Lord spoke to me. The, the answers that you need to keep on in pursuit of your dream are found in the dream itself. Let me say that again. The answers you need to keep on in the pursuit of your dream are found in the, in, in the dream that God gave you. Joseph knew that people would ridicule him. They'd say he was sinful. He, he had broken the law. He and Mary had committed adultery. But in the dream, remember what the dream said? The angel said, You'll, the, the, she'll give birth to a son and you're to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph knew that even if even if what people were saying had been true, it wasn't. But he knew that Jesus, this the one that God was calling him to be part of his life, could save people from their sins. And then, and then the second thing it said about Jesus and, and the dream was that his name will be called Emmanuel, for he'll be with his people. And Joseph knew, because the dream of Joseph took him from uh, his hometown to Bethlehem, took him to Egypt, then from Egypt to another. It kept moving him. He, he had to keep pulling up his, his roots and going. And in the midst of the loneliness, he said, God is with me. God is with me. In your dream, go back. If you're suffering today, trying to, trying to hold on and not give up on your dream, go back to when God gave you that dream. And listen and remind yourself what God said to you when he put that dream in your heart. In July, in, in July of uh, 1981, I was driving from Manchester, Tennessee, where I grew up, to Detroit. My, my wife, who was my 
fiance at that point was singing with the group in Detroit and my grandparents who had uh, lived in Detroit wanted to go see some friends so I, I took them up that way and as I was driving I was in northern Ohio on I-75 and as I was driving past Bowling Green, Ohio. Anybody ever hear Bowling Green, Ohio? We all think Kentucky, but there's two. And in Bowling Green, Ohio, the Lord speaks to me, and I see, I see this big football stadium right alongside of the interstate. It's Bowling Green State University, and, and the Lord speaks to me in the form of a question. Do you ever notice that God, when he wants you to know something, he'll ask you a question? When God asks you a question, it's not because he knows, needs to know something. It's because you need to know something. And, the, and the, this question came to my mind, and I said, I, I wonder if there's an Assembly of God church, because that's my tribe, you know. I wonder if there's an Assembly of God church. And, and now, if this had been this year, we'd have just, in two seconds, or, you know, we'd have gone, hey, Google, is there an Assembly of God church in Bowling Green, Ohio? And he'd gone, no way. I mean, because there wasn't. But back then, it took me two weeks to find the answer to that. But out of that question became a vision and a dream of one day starting an Assembly of God church in that community. And it took me almost two years. It took me 23 months before we ever had the first service of that church. See, sometimes you give up on your dream because dreams take time. Dreams that are worth having are dreams that are worth keeping during the disappointing and the silent times. Am I making sense to anybody here this morning? But two years, 23 months later, on July 10th, 1983, we had our first, first service at Dayspring Assembly. They'll celebrate 40 years next summer. And there's a church of close to 1,000 there today. Why? Because God put a dream. But when there, there were times when I remember Nancy asked me the night before we had our first service because we didn't know how many we were going to have. And she said, how many do you think we'll have tomorrow? We're meeting in a, in a motel. And I, I don't know, but, but if it's just you and me, you're going to get the best sermon you ever heard. And uh, she actually got saved that Sunday morning. And, and we're very thankful for that. I'm joking, okay. All right. Y'all are allowed to laugh in this service, right? Okay. So any, But we had, we had 65, and, and, and we saw God do some amazing things. But I often had to go back to that point when God first gave me the dream in order to keep pursuing the dream. So dreamers are willing to be, inter uh, are, um, willing to be interrupted. They're, they're, uh, you know what I said. And thirdly, dreamers are willing to be stretched. Dreamers are willing to be stretched. Everybody say stretched. Oh, you are awake. Okay, everybody. Dreamers are willing to be stretched. What do I mean by that? Matthew chapter 1. Verse 21 says this, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now Joseph's dream was to be a carpenter, raise a family of 2.6 kids, have a house, Maybe have a little pool out in the back or something, you know, a little pond or something. That was his dream. But the, inter the, but, but the Lord interrupts him with a real dream, with a physical dream, and says, your dreams are too small. And may I, may I just say, I believe that the Lord wants some of you to realize today, your dreams are too small. If you're following the American dream, it's not worth the pursuit. It's not worth the pursuit. 
God has a bigger dream. God says, look, you just want to have an average family. You just want to have, you know, uh, raise, raise your kids. You just want to have you know, a successful business. But I want you to participate. Listen to this. I want you to participate in the redemption plan of the world. I want to send my son, the only hope of the world, the one that will come and live as a man without sin and without any blemish and then give his life on the cross. I want, I want you to be involved in that plan by being his earthly dad. You're the one that's going to teach him how to walk. You're the one that's going to help him talk. You're the one that's going to teach him skills. You're the one that's going to teach him how to, how to be a man of God in the home. Joseph was content just to have a little nice little Jewish dream, but God says, no, I got a bigger dream. And I'm, I'm telling you, I, 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 just, I got goosebumps as I'm preaching. Somebody needs to understand God's got a bigger dream than your puny little dream. But here's the point. You can't grab God's dream if you're content with your dream. You can't got, grab God's dream if you're not willing to let go of your dream. And you go, well, you don't understand. That, 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 makes, that sounds good, but, but I'm a nobody. I got good news. That's the kind of people God's looking for. God's looking for people. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential or not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world. That's me. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Here's what I want to say to you. Don't look at yourself and allow your limitations to limit what God wants to do through you. Because God's dream for your life is greater than you. God's dream for your life requires God. The only way his dream is ever going to come to pass, the only way this dream, Nancy and I pulled into this property today, and we've been here. I preached here. I know y'all don't remember. I'm very forgettable at times. But but I, I, we pulled into this property, and and, and we saw this vast, you know, field before you ever get to the building. And something leaped inside of me. And I, and I caught a vision of what's next and what God has for CIL and, and for the future of this church. And I want to tell you, it's not a church of four or 500. It's a church that will reach a city and a county and a community and the, the, the metropolitan area. But you've got to be willing to let go of your little dreams to have God's dream. Amen. Amen. See, God, some of you see yourselves through your limitations, but God sees you through, through the eyes of Jesus. And while others saw Simon's wavering and fickleness, Jesus saw him as a rock and named him Peter and said, Upon this church, I'll build my kingdom. The church saw Saul, the persecutor, but Jesus saw Paul, the apostle. Others saw John, the son of thunder, but Jesus saw the apostle of love. The disciples saw the limitation of a boy's lunch, but Jesus saw his five loaves and two fishes as the ingredients necessary for a miracle. Dare to dream a God-sized dream. Let the size of your God determine the size of your dream. Some of you may have come to Nashville wanting to be a star, but God has bigger plans and bigger dreams and fame. He wants you to be part of his redemption plan, just like he did for Joseph. Number four, 
Dreamers are willing to obey. Dreamers are willing to obey. I'm, I'm about to conclude here. What time we, oh man, I got, all right. Can y'all put it, turn your hearing aids up to high speed? All right, because I got six words I want to leave with, but I'm going to take about a thousand words to give you those six, okay? So Matthew 1, When Joseph woke up, everybody say woke up. Look at the one that didn't say it and say, wake up. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Notice the two words, woke up. Some of us have dreams, but we've allowed those dreams to fall asleep. We, 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 we've been disappointed, we've been hurt, we're tired, we're weary. But I want to tell you something, it's not enough to dream. You have to wake up and start obeying. Everyone has a dream. It's only those that wake up that ever see their dream become a reality. I don't know about you, but I, I'm a big fan of the snooze alarm because it seems like just before I wake up, I'm getting a good dream. I'm dreaming of the balls going to the national championship in 2022. All right. It's, hey, you have your dream. I said dream bigger dreams, okay? So we're going for it. And then it's the last play of the, uh, of the fourth quarter, and we're behind by four points, and, and Hooker throws a pass, and then the alarm goes off. You ever have that happen? And Nancy's going, your alarm, your alarm, your alarm, and I'm hitting for the snooze button because I want to see how it ends. The only way to see how it ends is to wake up, is to wake up. Everybody say, wake up. Six words that you have to have if you're going to find your dream. Two, first two, wake up. Second two, get up. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. When they had gone, the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. First, you got to wake up. Then you've got to get up. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to get up. You can't accomplish anything good for the Lord by good intentions. Nancy is a, I married a Southern California girl. I I was out there and and I saw her and she's good looking and I felt like that girl needs rescuing. And, uh, And so I married her and took her to Ohio, got her out of the land, the granola state. Lands of fruit flakes and nuts. I got her out of there. And, um, and we would come home to visit my family in Tennessee. And Nancy was, she didn't understand how normal people talk. And her first experience was at Walmart in Manchester. And she walked in and this 107-year-old greeter looked at her and said, you want a buggy? And she goes, a buggy? Is there a cart and a horse somewhere around here? What, what's a she, she, they were shopping carts, not buggies. And, and then she heard somebody, she say, why, why are people always saying, I'm fixing to? You ever hear that? I'm fixing to. Well, God's word to CIL and to you is stop fixing and start doing. It's time to wake up. And then it's time to get up. Get up's when you stop fixing to and you start doing. You put some legs behind that God, what God's called you to do. See, most of us want, we're waiting to see the rest of the dream, the plan for the dream. We're waiting, we want a blueprint 
and God gives us a little picture at a time. And we're always saying, well, what are you waiting for? I'm waiting for the next step. God won't give you the next step till you take the first step. So you got to take that first step. Here's my hunch. You know exactly what you need to do. You know what change you need to make in your life, what class or seminar you need to register for, what decision you've been avoiding. You, you need what project you need to start. So what's holding you back? You've got to wake up, and then you got to get up. Say those four words. Wake up, get up. Wake up, get up. And then finally, you got to listen up. you got to listen up. Matthew chapter 2, verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. Here's the danger. we got to wake up, then we got to get up, but we got to keep listening up because God doesn't give you the whole dream in one, st- in one download. He gives it to you. Is that the rain? But y'all ain't going anywhere now. All right. All right. Okay. Put that in my pocket. Okay. Let it rain, Lord. Let it rain. See, the Lord had already spoken. Listen, look at this. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. How many know verse 13 comes before verse 19? So God has already spoken. And the Lord told Joseph to get up and go to Egypt. And Joseph obeyed. But now the Lord tells him to get up again. And this time to take the child to Israel. See, not only does God interrupt your plans to get you to follow his plan, he'll interrupt what you think is his plan to keep you moving towards. See, all of us make mistakes. All of us. Can I just ask you a question? Keep pouring down, Lord. Can I just ask you a question? I I have this problem. My voice and the voice of God sound a lot alike in my ears. It's hard to tell them apart. I'm not saying my voice is equal to God. It's far, far. It doesn't even compare to the voice of God. But sometimes I let my desires rule, and I can convince myself that I've heard from God when what I've heard from is myself. And so we've got to keep listening, and we've got to keep listening. And it's like the Lord said, I want you to go to Egypt. So I went to Egypt, and you're all happy. you got a house. you got your carpenter business going and then the Lord interrupts you again and says now it's time to go to Israel it's time to go full circle are your ears open to the direction of the Lord in your life one thing the Lord did speak to me last night through Isaiah is in chapter 30 verse 1 it says while you're walking in the way you'll hear a voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it while you're walking while you're doing what God has called you to do you told me, I, are these the markers? They don't want me to get out of the night into the dark or something. So you got to keep walking in the way. So which step are you at in your dream? Are you at the wake up? Have you just kind of let COVID kind of rock you to sleep? Have you kind of let the disappointments of the last few years just kind of put your dream under the side? Then it's time to wake up. Or are you at that time when it's time to get up, where you've never lost a dream, but you just haven't started, you just haven't taken that next step, or you're at the point where you need to listen up? Because if you're going to fulfill the dream, you've got to wake up. Everybody, this section, you're assigned wake up. When I point, say wake up. First of all, wake up. Okay? All right. All right. Ready? You guys are get up. I like you. Get up. All right. 
Listen up. Did you say listen up? I like your shirt, your jersey. I don't like that team, but I like your jersey. All right, let's do it again. Where are you? If you'll wake up, get up, or listen up, God will show up and show out, and you can follow your dream.